Good morning, Green. Good morning. <sighs> I, I got to say, every time, every time I speak, the music we sing is exactly what I need. Uh, I just want to speak Jesus here this morning. Who's with me on that? Uh, we are here for him. And uh, I want to welcome you this morning. I want to welcome those that are joining us online. Uh, we are so glad you're here. My name's Ron. I'm one of the I get the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at Berean, and so excited to be here. And it's our final part of the series, uh, Facing Opposition, but uh, it's not going to end this week. It's probably something we're going to face throughout 2023, and I don't think it ends in 2023. So these are lessons we can learn and and areas we can grow, and I'm just glad to grow with you here this morning. Uh, A couple years ago, my brother, uh, his name is Tom. He started, to, he started to hike the Adirondack Peaks, and he wants to go through all of them. Uh, when, we were, when we were children, we used to hike all the time. So we would, we'd hike in the summer, we'd go to the, the state parks, national parks, we'd, we'd cross-country ski in the winter, and the two of us loved to be out in the woods together. So when he decided to start hiking the Adirondacks, I wanted to go with him. And I probably couldn't go on all of them, and, and I'd love to do that. But in some of those trips, I was able to go along, and we were able to hike the, hike the peaks. My kids started doing that with us. My two older children have gone, have gone with us on those hikes. And, and so one, one trip, we decided we were going to take one day, we're going to tackle three peaks, and we're going to go from, uh, from Iroquois to Wright to Algonquin, which maybe that doesn't mean anything. It's the second highest peak in New York State. And so we were really going to tackle this on this trip, and, and we, we enjoyed the hike, but it was a miserable day. It was miserable. The, the, it was rainy, it was cloudy, it was cold, and so we hiked those first two peaks, and, and we were in mud. We were slipping on rocks. We were, we were getting to the top, and we're like, this is, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be all, it's all going to be good. We're, we'll endure the cold, and we were kind of freezing cold at that point. We made it to the top of the first two peaks, and, and this is what we got to see. Clouds, fog, and, and that, that's what we met that day, and we were kind of, kind of disappointed. We were kind of, we've done all this effort. We put all these miles in. And I think, I'm not sure how many miles at that point, but we put a lot of work into it. Maybe it's time to to call it quits, head down, get warm, (laughs) snuggle up in our camper and turn the heat on. Uh, But but we didn't. I I struggle with this thing called goal orientation. When I set a goal, I go for it. And I don't stop, and nothing gets me to back down. And my brother is very similar. And so we tackled, we tackled the third peak. And so we start, start up this third peak, and, and we're looking forward to the end of our day. And as the trip went on, it got harder and harder, and we started to look at stone that just went straight up. How are we going to get over this? We're already tired. We're already worn out. Our body is sore. It's cold. We've already made it through two peaks. But it's got to get easier. Maybe just over the next turn, over the next switchback. It'll, it'll get easier. And so we hit the tree line, and the tree line got uh, easier. 
Uh, no, it was still straight up these rock boulders. And we were climbing over them and, and seriously debating whether we should be done. We've already, we surmounted two. We got these huge rocks in our face. We're tired. Every bone in our body hurts. Every step has a muscle ache. It's time to call it quits. But we pushed forward. We pushed forward. And I'm so glad that we didn't give up because at the top of the mountain, we got to see this. And in the Adirondack Park laid out in front of us, and we just got to enjoy God's creation. And it was quiet, and it was near evening, and there, there wasn't much time left in the day. We, we ended up hiking down in the dark. But we got to enjoy the greatness of who God is in, in a very physical way. Just see the beauty of his creation. So glad we didn't give up because of the obstacles. Our own pain. Our cold, our tiredness, the, the difficulty of the terrain, the big boulders that we sometimes had to surmount, we didn't give in. We didn't give up. And so even though there was those rock faces, we climbed and surmounted the obstacles. And I know I'm not the only one here that has overcome an obstacle. There's, there's people here with me that have overcome huge things. And, and gotten up, maybe not to a mountaintop, maybe to a mountaintop. I know there's some people here that love to hike the Adirondacks. I'm not the only one. Uh, but you've overcome big things in your life and you've had that mountaintop experience. It's because you didn't give up. You didn't let the frustration keep you down. You didn't let the hardship or the doubt or the fear stop you. And you surmounted the peak. And the reward was worth it. The reward was the mountaintop. And today when we're going we're gonna to look at Jesus in chapter 11, and he ran into huge obstacles. Huge obstacles. I think we've seen that all the way through this series. Jesus has run into obstacles. But despite the criticism, despite the doubt, despite the fear, despite his own strong emotions on this day, he refused to back down. He didn't give up. He went forward, and he accomplished a mountaintop experience. One of his greatest miracles. And we're going to look at that together. It's a, it's a day that would change his, his nation. It would change his history. It would change the future. And it happened in John chapter 11. So if you would turn or tap with me to John 11. In the chair Bible, I'll be in on page 863. And we would love it if you need a Bible, you would want a Bible that, that's easy to read or you need one. Just take this home as our gift. We'd love you to have that gift. John chapter 11. Uh, Jesus running up against obstacles, but running into his biggest miracle yet. Take a look. Verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on, on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus, telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, no, no. 
It happened for the glory of God so that this, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Jesus and the disciples hear the news. Jesus doesn't really seem worried. Mary and Martha are very worried. This is the worst sickness their their brother has ever experienced. And Jesus is their close friend. He can do something about it. They're very worried. But Jesus, no, this is no big deal. It's fine. This is going to happen so that the glory of God, God's plan happens. And and probably about the time this is all taking place, maybe maybe about the time Lazarus actually dies. But Jesus isn't, he's not rushing to aid. Jesus waits. He waits two more days. And then when he's finally ready to go, he tells the disciples, let's go. Uh, They object. Look at verse 8. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. You remember that from last week? Picked up stones. They're ready to to stone Jesus. And so Jesus and the disciples headed to to the, the area of the Jordan River and it was safe over there. The disciples are like, hey, we waited two days already. <laughs> it's dangerous back in Jerusalem, back in the area that we're headed to. Bethany's right near Jerusalem. Are you crazy? Let's not go there. But here's how Jesus replied. Uh, he says, there are 12 hours of daylight in every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have light in this world. But at night there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Sounds a little confusing. The idea is, Jesus is saying, now's the time for me to do God's work. Now's the time. We've waited, we've waited, but now's the time. Let's pursue this together. The disciples said, or um, Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and I will wake him up. We'll wake him up. Now, understandably, the disciples uh, are a little confused. They misunderstand what Jesus is saying. Lazarus has died. They have this kind of discussion back and forth. But in the end, they head off to Bethany. They're not going to let the obstacle keep them from Bethany. They're not going to let Lazarus' death keep them from Bethany. They're headed, they're headed in that direction. Take a look at verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few, few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. When Mary got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed back at the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Martha was wrestling with her grief. She believes that that Jesus had the power to fix this. He had the power to take care of this problem. And, And so she throws this what if out there. What if you had been here? You could have fixed this. But I love as, as Mary's wrestling with all of her frustration and her grief, she simply believes. She still believes. She says, Jesus, whatever you ask, God's going to do it. 
I still believe. And Jesus responds to her and says, Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said. He will rise again. Everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Very clear presentation. I'm the life. He says, even after dying, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And I love this at this point. Jesus has the clarity to say, your brother will rise again. Martha, he's going to rise because he believed in me. Do you believe? And he challenged, Jesus challenges Martha to have the same type of belief that Lazarus already has. He will rise again. And Martha simply at this point accepts Jesus' answer. She says, yes, Lord. I have always believed you are the Messiah the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. She returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Martha's not upset anymore. She's not exasperated anymore. She's not frustrated. She simply believes and that's enough. Her faith is enough. She goes home. Mary comes out to meet Jesus, immediately goes to him. And in uh, verse 30, 32, when Mary arrived, she saw Jesus and she fell at his feet. Lord, if only, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Think about the faith they're expressing. Jesus, you're the answer here, but you weren't here. You weren't here in in my grief and my sadness. And if only, she brings up the same questions. And Jesus sees the pain and he sees the sadness. Lord, if only. Verse 33, Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her. And a deep anger wells up within him. And he was deeply troubled. And he calls out, where have you put him? And Jesus is struggling with his own grief at this point. He's he's struggling with with the emotions inside him. And I picture Jesus looks out over the crowd. He looks out of the tears. He looks out of the the sadness. And his his heart is moved and he's troubled and he's angry. And, And Jesus is, he's the creator. And creation wasn't supposed to be this way. He made a perfect creation. It wasn't supposed to have death. It wasn't supposed to have have sadness. And yet, creation's broken, and Jesus' heart pours out for that. And, And even to the point of anger. He's troubled. And verse 34, he cries out, Take me, take me to this place. Where have you put him? And he asked them. And they said, Lord, come and see. Come and see. And then Jesus wept. He wept. His, his heart is overcome. 
his emotion pours out. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. They could see the emotion on his face. But then others, at the same time, struggle with grief, struggle with difficulty of of his creation. And then other people said this, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have healed Lazarus? Like, if he did all this for other people, Lazarus is his friend. Couldn't he have helped him? So you have the the frustration of people, the the challenge of people. Couldn't you have stepped up and fixed this? And some people, I think, at this point might have turned around. Just went home. Jesus is not. The the rock is tough to climb at this point. The mountain is, is tough to step over. He's at the face of a stone door and a tomb and death. And the doubts and the frustrations of people. Their complaints. Their arguments against him. And, but Jesus bravely pushes forward. The stone doesn't stop him. The grave doesn't stop him. Death doesn't stop him. Jesus goes forward. The people, the people here are with Jesus at the tomb. And, and Jesus' response here in verse 40 is, in, in verse, verse uh, a little bit or, or earlier, verse 39, uh, Jesus says, roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Martha steps up, says, Lord, he's, he's been dead for four days. He's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And I, I read that, and I think about that, and the people protest, right? Jesus said, roll away the stone, come on. And I think his, his voice is, is strong and assertive, and roll the stone away, and the people say, oh, wait a second. <laughs> the stench. Don't roll. Nobody wanted to roll that stone away. Nobody did. Nobody did. But Jesus says this, didn't I tell you, that you would see God's glory if you believe. Now, how do you say no to that? And the people listen, and they roll away the stone. And the smell blows out. The stench comes out, and it overcomes everything. And Jesus goes on to pray, and he looks to heaven And at the same time, the smell is filling everybody's nostrils. The stench is overcoming. The horrid smell of decaying flesh permeates everything. It's it's not inviting. There was no mistaking the reality of death. Death was clear. It overcame and overwhelmed and Jesus, Jesus here looks to heaven and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all of these people because of their lack of faith. He says, I said it for all of these people standing here so that they would believe you sent me. This is going to be clear. This is going to be amazing. Death has filled the air, but 
Jesus is praying to God. God, thank you for hearing me. And then he cries out and he shouts out, Lazarus, come out. Come out. And think about the people that are around Jesus at this point. Think about what they're thinking. How crazy is this? We, we can smell it. He's dead. There's no coming out. Uh, a dead man cannot come out of the grave. Has anybody seen a dead man come out of the grave? I have not. And I think I'd fall over if I did. Think about what's going on in the minds of these people. Uh, Jesus, you're off your rocker. You can't ask a dead man to come out of the grave. It doesn't work. They're struggling with grief. They're sad. They're not horrified. And they're ready to commit Jesus to the insane asylum. You can't just call a dead man out of the grave. And I think the sentiment here is get him out of here. Get him out of here and let these women grieve. Put the stone back over. And for a few moments that must have felt like eternity... Nothing seems to happen, but then, but then verse 44, and the dead man came out. The dead man came out. The Michelin man stumbles out of the grave. Look what it says here. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face in a headcloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. And, and, and so Lazarus, he's he, all tied up, all bound up, and he, he's stumbling out of the grave. The dead man comes out. And the grave would have been steps, and he would have stumbled up and out and fallen, maybe fallen, but he's out of the grave, and Jesus simply says, unwrap him. And I think people are stunned They don't know what to do. They don't know what the next move is. No one can do this. They're frozen. Jesus has just raised from the dead. Jesus has shown power over death. Power for life. Many people, verse 45, many people believe. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. Jesus has given his biggest miracle. Biggest, it's so clear. Death was so clear. Life is now so clear. Who Jesus is is so clear. But as Jesus has given his big, biggest miracle, he's also getting himself into his biggest trouble. Look at the next verse. But some went to the Pharisees. Uh-oh. Can't do anything good, can you, without the oversight of the Pharisees. Look at the end of this chapter. Some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called a high council together. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do, they ask each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Look, it, look at that. He, he raises someone from the dead and it's all over. <laughs> it's all done. 
they're arguing, maybe arguing about resurrection itself. They're arguing about who Jesus is. They're arguing about what they're going to lose. We could lose our power. We could lose our nation. Look at the Roman, Roman control. They're going to come in and take the temple. Ah! <laughs> We're going to lose it all. And their chief priest comes in with a solution. Caiaphas, who was the high priest at that time, he said, you don't know what you're talking about. Don't you realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed? He didn't say this on his own. As the high priest at that time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite the children of God from around the world. Caiaphas has the great solution, and God is in the process, right? You see God in the process, but Caiaphas has the solution to unite everybody together and let's unite around killing Jesus. And I think what they, they convince themselves, led by their chief leader, that murder is carrying out God's will. And how does that square with the Old Testament? And God uses it for his ultimate purpose, doesn't he? And we know, we know the rest of the story. But right here, right here, Jesus' death warrant is signed and sealed. From that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. It's signed, it's sealed. Jesus, Jesus has done his biggest miracle. His greatest miracle, and yet he gets himself into his biggest trouble. And when we live for God, sometimes we run into opposition. Sometimes we end up in our biggest trouble when we're trying to do our greatest good. Doing, doing big things for God can get you into trouble. Got Jesus into trouble, it can get us into trouble. And I want to say, even though that's true, and Jesus knew it was going to happen, he did it anyway. Even though doing big things for God can get you into trouble, do them anyway. Do it anyway. Do big things for God. And maybe you're thinking that's... That's okay for Jesus. Jesus is God after all. He's also our role model. But maybe you're thinking, it's just me. It's just little old me. I've got no special power. I've got no genius. I'm not that strong. I'm not that brave. I can't do anything big. I feel that way. Maybe you feel that way sometimes. Well, listen to what Jesus says about his followers. Jesus said just, just a little while later, just a few days down the road, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. This is what Jesus believes for us. 
Jesus believes we can do great things, even greater things. Now, we've just seen Jesus raise someone from the dead. And yet, this is what Jesus says. I believe Jesus is saying the opportunities are endless. Opportunities are endless. God can do amazing things, and he can do amazing things in us and through us and in the world around us. And as we follow Jesus and as we live as Jesus lived, we will have the opportunity to do great things. Great things. Great things in, in many, in number. Great things in importance. That we will have the opportunity in God's power and to and for God's will to do amazing things. So what does this really look like? What does this look like? Just in, in everyday life. We, we could come up with a million examples. I want to just share, share a few ideas. Maybe, maybe you're a parent here. And this week your, your toddler makes the floor of the living room disappear in the myriad of her toys. Maybe it looks like maintaining your self-control and sharing love in the moment when you're most frustrated. Maybe it looks like patiently answering the 20th why in a row. (laughs) In God's graciousness. Maybe it looks like explaining something again to you in teaching your teenager when they think you know nothing, but patiently explaining and teaching life to them over and over again out of the love and forgiveness of Jesus. And those sound like small things. They are not. They are difficult. They are hard. And when we live God's love and we live God's forgiveness, God can accomplish big things in the future of our kids, in the relationship they'll one day have with God. Those things are huge. For some of you, big things might be to to sit down and to do your homework and to do it on time. And to be engaged in your classes when everyone else is, is just throwing spitwads. Or maybe it's to respect that teacher when everyone else in your class is tearing her down. Maybe, maybe your big thing is not to rebel against your parents when everyone is going to that party. You know you're not to be there. And you obey. And those seem small. But those are big obedience in the face of big obstacles. When you know you could be picked on. When you know you could lose friends. And yet to stand up and to live for God in those moments. Maybe you're still wondering, what, what, are, what are big things for me? What could I do? Maybe for you it's to stop and to pray for your lunch when you're at work, when everybody's around you in the lunchroom, and to demonstrate your faith. Maybe it's to share your faith story, the next opportunity you have. 
Maybe, maybe it's as simple as having integrity and honesty. When you know the other workers are padding their hours or using the time at work for their own personal benefit and you say, no, I'm going to be focused on what God called me here to do and I'm going to do it with honesty. Never underestimate the impact of the little things to accomplish big things for God. For our retirees, retirement isn't the end of ministry. It's not. We never retire from a relationship with God. We never retire from the opportunity to serve. And, and we have one retire here. We have many retirees here, but one that is serving on our leadership team and a couple weeks ago took time out of his week to, to go and to drive all the way to Long Island to pick up 200 chairs for our Front Street campus. And he's investing in ministry. When it's a time of life where everyone says, just do what's good for you. Enjoy the end of your life. And he says, no, I'm not done with ministry. And we have many others that are doing the same thing. Maybe, maybe for you, it's simply asking, how could I help? How could God use my gifts and my abilities right now in my life stage for his purposes? Jesus, Jesus believes we can do great things. Jesus believes that we can do big things for God. Do big things for God. There's been times in my life when I've allowed the obstacles to get in my way. When I've allowed the obstacles to make me back down and, and not do big things for God. God's things. I've thought, well, I'll wait until the circumstances are better. I'll just wait until the things kind of line up and everything works out. And, and then I'll pursue that opportunity. But Jesus in this passage, he was dealing with the death of a friend, extreme grief, trouble right in, inside of his soul, and others blaming him for the problem. The if you were here, and, and yet he doesn't let any of that make him back down. I think of the circumstances couldn't have been worse. There's been times in my life when I've felt uneasy about something and I've thought, well, I'll just wait until I have peace inside. But I see Jesus in this, this account and he says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm troubled. I, I'm, my insides are churning and yet Jesus still acts. He still steps up. Sometimes I've thought, I don't see the open door. I'll just wait until I see that open door. What is Jesus faced with here? A closed tomb. The circumstances weren't there. They weren't good. And he was faced with death. None of that made Jesus back down. If the day I was in the Adirondacks, I stopped and said, I'm going to let the obstacles keep me from the top. I never would have seen the view. Never would have seen the greatness of God's creation that day. I would have gone home disappointed and depressed at the fog. But instead, overcame the obstacles and got to see the greatness of God. And when I back down in my own spiritual life, 
I fail to see the greatness of what God can do. When I, when I give up in my anger at home and give in to my anger, I don't get the opportunity to see my children respond to the, the patience and love and forgiveness of God. When I give in and hesitate to share my faith, I miss seeing God's transformation in the life of others. When, when I back down from a confrontation because I'm worried about the opinions of other people, I miss out on the opportunity to see God work. I miss out on the chance to see Him change the hearts of others. Jesus didn't allow the obstacles to stop Him. He didn't back down. He didn't allow it to, to slow Him down. And I want to say this morning, don't allow the obstacles to stop you in your tracks. Don't allow them to even slow you down. Pursue God's work in your life. Not even death could stop Jesus. He knew he was walking in trouble, and he walked in anyway. Do big things for God. Even though it can get us into trouble, even though it can be frustrating, even though there might be opposition. And when you do, when you pursue God's work in your life, you're going to see a great God. You're going to see him show up. You're going to see him make your face stronger. You're going to see God help you take the next right step. God's going to give you more and more confidence as you step up and act for him. When you do big things for God, you're going to see how amazing and how great and how big our God is. And when we back down, we miss all that. I have confidence that Bereans are going to continue to do big things for God. And I want to share with you why. Because it's a part of our DNA. It goes all the way back to the beginning of this church and it continues throughout our history and it continues today. Bereans are willing to step up and do big things for God. This church began with a prayer, a big prayer, with two women that simply said, God, would you bring us a Bible church, a Bible-believing church to green New York? And soon God brought a pastor and he brought a Bible study and a core group of people. And as they, they began to, to reach people in green, Jesus impacted the neighbors and the community. But that wasn't without opposition. As they made some foundational decisions in, in launching that church, opposition showed up. And they chose to be a Bible church rather than take a denominational name. And some said, you're going to fail because of that. But others believed, we're going to have a big mission. And God is going to do great things. And God had a big plan, didn't he? He had a big plan. Another obstacle. Where is Berean Bible Church going to end up? Is it going to be a, a village church or... Or where, where's the location going to be? And, and some, some pushed one way and others said, we have an opportunity to reach this region for Jesus. Let's make sure we are in a place that is reachable in the region. They pushed for Route 12 access. And look what God did. God had a big plan. 
Each new church plant, each new campus that has been launched has had, has had opposition. Some from churches in the area. There's been risk. There's been sacrifice. And yet, Bereans did big things. A whole lot of little steps. And God did big things. And I believe as Bereans place God's mission above themselves, God's mission as the forefront, and as we as Bereans put God first in our lives, he's going to do great things through us. He's going to do great things through this church. And so this week, would you consider choosing to set aside the obstacles and to pursue God's work in your life? To put aside the obstacles and look for divine opportunities. Would you consider starting by taking one step of obedience to God this week? Would you with me live Jesus and speak Jesus to the world around us? One step, one choice at a time. Dear God, thank you for the opportunity to see your greatest miracle. You, you are such a great God. <laughs> now Jesus isn't done with Lazarus. Jesus goes on and he dies for our sins. And the grave can't keep him in. And he rose and he, and he gives us forgiveness, God. And if there's anyone here this morning that's never received that message, pray that you would give them the opportunity right now to say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I want to accept that forgiveness. It's all it takes is simple faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. If you're here and you need to take that step, start there. God, may you give us the confidence to walk with you and for you this week. God, help us to have the strength to, to choose, to choose to put you first in our homes, in our workplaces. Help us to have the confidence to step up and, and to live you to the world around us, God. Help us to make the choice to put you first. May we do big things for you because we are in step with you and we're living for your power and your purpose and it's coming out of us. God, you are, you are amazing. You are great. And, and, and Jesus believes you can do that greatness in us. And God, here today, we believe you are unshakable. You are unmovable. And you've done so many great things in the past. We want to stand on that confidence today. And we want to live for you great this week. Help us to have the strength to do that. The faith to do that. May we step out on our great God. In Jesus' name, amen.